Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Popper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How's it going? Uh, it's okay. Yep, 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 yep. yep. I've been better. <laughs> I've, been, yeah. I've been worse, too, though. Could could be be worse. It could be worse. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really tired. Things every everything happens so much. Everything happens relentlessly sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh hard to keep up with it all. And I like I just spent my long weekend. Yes. And like mm-hmm. it was it was like it was yeah. it was relaxing. You're probably just physically cover- recovering from that. And then like the week is now happening at me, and everything happens so much like again already. And I'm like, when's when's my when's my next long weekend? Is that is that happening? This weekend? That no? Is that Christmas? Why? Yeah. Where? When? I need... This is what I need right now. What I need yeah. is some time travel. Yeah. Oh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about that this oh, week. But before we do that... Yeah, right, right, right. All right. Uh, next up is our PDH PhD, Liam, who I think is decently excited for this episode. How's it going? Dude, you have no absolute freaking idea <laughs> like i've i've been like sitting here in my seat like jittering for three weeks about like who reviews coming up who reviews coming up who reviews coming up i am so excited and to top it all off for those who aren't in the discord don't don't send the pinkertons at me but like my doctor who pre-order arrived two Today. days like like a week earlier than my shipping was telling me it was going to be like actively at this moment of recording. My shipping still says it's arriving next Wednesday and today <laughs> recording is Wednesday, but like release date is Friday, like two days from now. Like you're yeah, hearing, two days from now. you're hearing this ideally on release day. And I received my product two days ago. I am ecstatic to be talking about the doctor who set with the doctor who cards in hand. Yep. Have you opened any of them yet? Or I have opened waiting? all of them. Oh, <laughs> didn't the, wait, huh? I I have I have been waiting for this day since Gavin announced the set. Since he yeah. was like, "Oh, by the way, next up on Universes Beyond is Doctor Who." Here's the art of uh, the, uh, Gallifrey stands right, like all the thirteen. Dude, I've been waiting so <laughs> patiently for fourteen months. I am ecstatic we are finally here <laughs> yeah so so as a huge super mega fan of doctor who are you gonna play the commander decks or are they more for like a collection uh no you the, love the show so much no those game pieces i i'm not a collector by any stretch of the imagination so no they... i just meant because your your love for the show i didn't know if that pushed you into into the collector realm just for one or two products but no no nothing would ever do that um okay they, That's they, fair. magic to me is is first and foremost a game so mm-hmm. when when they were saying, here are some Doctor Who cards, the first thing that came to mind was, okay, yeah, sure, collection. But then I was like, I'm not a collector. That's just, I, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I don't like th- having things just to have them. It's not a thing I really do too often. So, right, and not playing with them. Yeah. Right, especially because they're game pieces. Like, that's what they are. Um, sure. yep. 
like like it's it's one thing if it's like yeah a piece of artwork is a piece of artwork that is what it's there for its use is to be on the wall right but magic cards their use is to be played so they will absolutely 100 percent be sh- uh, uh sleeved up shuffled up uh they're going to go into their own little uh 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 quiver for a battle box and i'm not mm-hmm. going to edit them i'm not going to add anything i'm not going to remove anything just straight it's pre-con level sh- straight universes beyond pre-con level in a vacuum game experience I awesome. might take one out every now and then to play in a regular commander game, but like ideally yeah. they are just in a vacuum. This is the Doctor Who. And what's what's great is I have family members who I've taught how to play magic who aren't really that into magic. Ooh. But they enjoy Doctor Who. So nice. this is just kind of like a Doctor Who board game for us. Sure. Uh, totally makes sense. And so I'm I'm ecstatic about that. Yeah. Awesome. I've I've played a number of games like that the warhammer 40k decks where it's just like mm-hmm. everyone everyone gets out the pre-con and goes and all the cards are 40k flavored and i've done that with a a handful of times with the lord of the ring sets where like so i you know I, I bought all the 40k decks and my my buddy bought all the lord of the rings pre-cons and we just have left them together so that we can play these games it's super fun the decks are sure like sure. well pre-cons balanced yeah, yeah yeah now are they when you buy them as a set you know, like Liam bought a set of four or what have you, you bought the Warhammer ones. Are they designed, are they built to play against each other or are they yes. just decks? Yeah. They are. No, they, they are designed in a vacuum. They have a um, oh, nice. Yeah. Like every, every deck has like a very sort of like clear strategy and every mm-hmm. other deck has a handful of cards that are meant to like disrupt that strategy to, yep, specifically. To deal with it or try to yeah. deal with it. So you can, oh, you can have very like interactive games. It's super fun. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's the way they've been designing commander decks since like the beginning of time. Is like mm-hmm. is it? the the commander decks in any given year are supposed are supposed to be. The goal was they were designed with each other in a vacuum. Uh, now some years, and I'm I'm talking between like 2011 and 2019. Some years there was a deck that was clearly a little stronger than the others, or there was a deck that was like the leader because of flavor reasons. But I the goal in the design philosophy was these decks can be played together in a vacuum. Uh, when they started in 2020 doing the releases tied to standard, the, yeah. the, the two decks together. So like the commander legends release, the, the Boros equipment and the, the Simic lands deck, they were designed together. They were designed in a, in a multiplayer setting, but designed to fight each other. The, the two Kaldheim decks were designed in a multiplayer four player setting but designed against each other. So that that's just always been the commando design philosophy. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've just never I mean I've picked up a random precon here and there, but never right. played them against other precons. Mm-hmm. And they, they try to keep the power levels consistent. And and there's sure. definitely something to be said that the power levels of precons have definitely gone up over time, but mm-hmm. they've they I they they have gotten around 2021 to that sweet spot where like the power levels are of an appropriate beginner level. But the you know beginners won't also feel completely dead in the water, yeah. That and makes so sense. they've they finally found that sweet spot for precons, and and even if a precon doesn't particularly speak to you, you can kind of look at it and be like, yeah, that's that's well designed. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, for sure, for sure. Mana bases are still leaving players something a little to wish for, <laughs> but that's a yeah different that's argument for a different time. Yep. <laughs> These right. mana bases, of, though, are 
fire. Are they? Awesome. <laughs> these, these are some good mana bases, dude. All right. Before we get into more Doctor Who cards, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. As usual, if you like the show and you like what we're doing here, consider supporting us over on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash the PDH pod. By being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is uh, basically it's just sort of become like an additional episode every week of just uh, catching up for the week. Conversation this week was more Doctor Who chat. So if you're uh, if you're a fan of that, then definitely sign up for the Patreon. Uh, you also get early access to the show notes and the episode before they before the uh, episode goes live, usually the night before. And then finally, as a patron, you get access to the PDH Pod Discord server where you can chat with us, talk more Doctor Who if you'd like. You can get help with your decks and all that kind of good stuff. And then lastly, check out the YouTube and the Twitch streams. Um, we are the PDH Pod on those two platforms as well. And the latter is where I stream Spelltable PDH every Saturday evening. So be sure to check that out. Uh, before we get into the meat and taters of the episode, Liam, what do you got for this week in Magic? This week in Magic uh, has quite a few things. So the Spooky Drop 2023 went live. That's the super drop that has all the Universes Beyond secret layers. Like we're talking Princess Bride and Creep Show and. Yeah. Uh, Evil Dead, Rising Dead, something like that. Evil uh, Dead, yep. <clears throat> a couple Doctor Who layers and some other things. Uh, in addition, Troll and Toad, the, uh, I don't know what to call them, like the vendor, uh, has decided to pull out of Magic the Gathering sealed and singles going forward. They, they've decided mm-hmm. that Magic the Gathering is no longer profitable to their business model. Yep. Uh, too many reprints, too many alternate art variations right. too many treatments secret and layers all that all that stuff i i can kind of understand where they're coming from but the people that are shouting like the sky is falling this this you know ancient uh uh vendor is is pulling out of magic they've been in magic since you know nearly the beginning it's like yeah you're right however they are by no means the biggest or the most popular vendor today no, they 20, had their moment. 20, 10, 25 years ago, 10, they might have been. Yeah, five to ten years ago, they were, even up up until five to ten years ago, they were a pretty major player in I, the uh, singles market. But I would agree to ten years ago. I don't know that I would agree to five years ago because... Oh my god, five years ago was 2018. So well, yeah, 2018, it was closer to ten years ago. <laughs> but but here's, here's the thing is I really got into Magic. So like I, I started playing around Theros, Tokyo Block. I really got into it, did my first pre-release around Kaladesh. I bought my first cards off the secondary market. Uh, gosh, that was that would have been around um, Ixalan. Would have been, I would have bought my first cards from somewhere other than my LGS. And I had never heard of Troll and Toad like, until, I want to say, 2019, 2020. Sure. And I mean, yeah, like, you know, when I ask people, hey, where should I buy cards? They're going to point me to like TCG Play or Card Kingdom. But like, right. even six, seven years ago, when I first asked that question, that was where they pointed me. No one mentioned Troll and Toad. So, right. how big of a loss is this really? It's to be seen, I guess. To be seen. Yeah, if this was um, SCG or I, TCG I would, Player, it might be a little more alarming. But... I would say the consolidation of Channel Fireball Marketplace into TCG Player, into eBay is still a more relevant discussion than Troll and Toad pulling out of Magic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I bought cards from Troll and Toad 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I've bought cards from them, yeah. I don't right think I've... I first got in the popper, I got bought some cards on eBay, and they came from uh, Troll and Toad. 
I, I don't think I've purchased cards from Troll and Toad in the last 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I would definitely say a named vendor pulling out is something to watch. But sure. of the vendor being Troll and Toad, I don't think is that big of a deal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the other thing that happened this week <laughs> is uh, this one. This one affects you a little more directly this, than this one Troll affects, and Toad. <laughs> yeah, this one affects like me directly a little bit more, but but Magic in general a little more directly. Uh, yeah. Wizards of the Coast pulls their sponsorship of Judge Academy. So in two days, on October thirteenth, Wizards of the Coast will stop funding Judge Academy. Uh, as of right now, I think Wizards of the Coast funds somewhere around fifty to seventy-five percent of Judge Academy's. Uh, uh, processes its 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 budget, so like they they sponsor Judge Academy. So when they pull out, like Judge Academy has no money coming in. Uh, right. They they will be able to make money off of like their merchandise kits that they've been running the last couple of couple of months, but with what they already have planned and what they have in in the coffers now, they suspect they will be out of money around February or March in twenty twenty four. Oh wow! So what what does this mean? Uh, so Judge Academy is is not a part of Wizards of the Coast. It is not a wing of Wizards of the Coast. It is not a sub brand of Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro. Like it is its own separate corporation. Watsi sponsored it because Watsi wanted to keep their Judge program, but didn't want to be financially responsible for it. So when this company Judge Academy started up, they needed funding. And Wizards of the Coast was like, hey, we'll sponsor you if you create and deliver all of the materials required for training and certifying our judges. Mm-hmm. The the exact nature of the agreement, I am not privy to. I imagine there was something in there about Judge Academy needing to find other sponsors. Like Wizards of the Coast was willing to sponsor them heavily for the first few years, but they needed to find other sponsors to assist like Judge sure. Academy was not meant to just be magic judges. It was supposed to be the the uh end all be all organization that is in charge of that that is the certifying body of many board and card and even video game judges. Oh, cool. The problem is a lot of the really, <laughs> really big brands like Pokemon or even Smash Brothers yeah. or Catan have really solid judge programs and they don't need an external company doing that for them. Other games like Flesh and Blood or Yu-Gi-Oh! or uh, the the Genesis Zoo one or the One Piece card game or the uh, Keyforge or the One Piece card game, I think I said that, or Force of Will, like like all these other card games that could use judges... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Don't care. <laughs> did did you say Catan? Yes, Catan has a very substantial like world championship that happens every year. With I've judges? heard of this before. Yes. Okay. I, I have a I have a complete non sequitur apropos of nothing. <laughs> okay. Um love it. You said the word Catan though, and it made me think of this. Have you ever played or heard of uh Pandemic Legacy? Yes. Heard of it. Heard of Played it. it. Would you enjoy Catan Legacy? Is that a thing that you think you want in your life? I was I was talking about this with a friend the other day. Like I, Pandemic Legacy is great. 
Like, is Catan the kind of game that needs a legacy? No. No? Okay. No. I don't think so. All right. Because you just played the base game. Sure. Right. But yeah, so all these other games, like, like the, the games that really want judges have really solid judge programs. The games that don't care about having judges don't care. <laughs> so they don't want right. to sponsor a company <laughs> to create and deliver and, and certify judges because they don't care. Yeah, they don't need them. They so them. it became this really awkward situation where Wizards of the Coast was the sole sponsor through COVID and now after COVID, sort of, kind of. And so it, ju- ju- Wizards of the Coast has basically said, look, we can't sponsor you forever. We yeah. can't be your sole sponsor forever. So they're pulling out, which is going to leave Judge Academy high and dry. What that means for Wizards of the Coast judges going forward I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of uh, tournament organizers, a lot of the big tournament organizers, have been making unprecedented moves in terms of how they select and pay their judges for events, mm-hmm. uh, which I will not go into excruciating detail here because <laughs> I don't want to say something that's wrong because they're all right. doing it a little bit differently. But it's it's fascinating to see this because some of these tournament organizers have been doing this for a couple of months. So it's mm-hmm. almost like they knew something was going to happen. And so what 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 does this mean for your you competitive players that are going to the SCG tours or the face-to-face game events? The the general understanding is that these tournament organizers will continue to staff judges they have worked with before mm-hmm. or new judges that come with high recommendations from high-level judges that these tournament sure. organizers have worked with before. Yeah. What this means for the growth of the judge program going forward, I imagine it is going to stop growing immediately. Oh, for sure. I, I imagine it's going to shrink substantially immediately mm-hmm. until there is a framework that is announced and put into place. But your competitive events should absolutely still have judges. The yeah. training of those judges, I would, I don't want to say I would question, but I would make sure you know who your judge is. Yep. It's That's me. Right. That makes sense. I am my own judge. That's right. I am I, the law. I I would say that if you were playing at a large event, we're talking SEGs, face-to-face, Channel Fireball Tour, whatever, you're safe. You're fine. DreamHacks, Gen Cons, whatever, you're good. Those are, those are very qualified judges. If there was a new judge that shows up at your LGS, I can't speak for that. Yeah. We're just going to have to see how it plays out. We're going to have to see how that plays out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for that uh, recap of everything that's been going on. Some some fun stuff, some serious stuff, some kind of troll and toad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now on to the main topic. I don't think we need to give this like some huge introduction. We're talking about Doctor Who this week. Heck talking yeah. about new new Doctor Who cards, new Who cards, all kinds of Who cards. Um, It looks like we got... A single new common from the set. Liam, you want to take that one away real quick? Yes. The single new common is a card called Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey. Yeah. It's one in a blue for a sorcery that says time travel and draw a card. For those of you that don't know what time travel does, time travel is a new mechanic in the set. Whenever you time travel, for each suspended card you own and each permanent you control with a time counter on it, you may add or remove a time counter. So, 
for suspended cards. These are cards that you cast into exile. They get suspended with time counters. When the last one's removed, you cast it. You would want to remove a counter. Permanents you control that with vanishing that have time counters. You would want to add a counter, right? Yes. It's kind of like you know, messing you know with time, time counters. counters. What's that? What you know what else has time counters? counters? Cumulative that? upkeep. Oh, my, it certainly does. You want to take a counter off of your Mystic Remora? Do yes, it. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's, there's other little niche interactions like that, but I, I wanted to talk about sure. Suspend and Vanishing because they are in this set. Yeah. So, sure. so, yeah, it's manipulating time counters. It's time traveling. It's fun. You're going to yeah, make your Suspended fun. stuff happen faster, and you're going to make your Vanishing stuff happen slower. That's right. It's got a fun name, too. Yes. And and the flavor text explains the title. So if you if you're looking at the title and you're like, why the hell is my magic card named Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey? You're like, what what absolute nonsense is this? Read the flavor text. Flavor text says that people assume time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. And so there you go. That was a very nice dramatic reading. That quote is from the one episode of Doctor Who that I've ever actually watched start to finish. <laughs> I remember it. I feel like I just watched it. That was, that was <laughs> uh, That's much the important part of the episode. Line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is a singular new common. I think I think if if I had to like pick one card from the set that I was going to like frame or put into a card of jig uh, which if you don't know, for those that know what cardamom jigs are, I think this would be a pretty good contender, being the only new common. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, with the uh, one new common out of the way, we did get a handful of new uncommon creatures slash potential commanders. Uh, do you want to start yes. us off, Liam? Here, do you want me to? Or even uh, Dave. Dave, do you want to start us off? I'll, I'll let one of you start with the commanders, but I, I will preface this. Uh, we did have a very brief discussion in, in oh, the yes. pre-show yeah, yeah, yeah. where I, th- I think this is how we should do it. I think, I think Brad, you should read the cards. Okay. And then Dave is going to rate them based on mechanics. Like Dave's going to be like, yeah, this is awesome. Or yeah, this sucks. Uh, okay. And I'm going to Based gonna on rate, it being a commander. Ba- based on it being like a magic card, being a commander, right? And, okay. and I'm going to rate them based on flavor. I love it. I think I think that's a great way to do this. Let's do it. I'm in. Beautiful. All right. Professional podcasters make the plan during the podcast. That's content. See? Yes. That's just if we if we had made this plan outside of the podcast, that's content that you guys don't get. That's not what we're about. You missed out. Right. (laughs) No. You want to see behind the curtain? Here we are. Exactly. Right. All right. First up here, we got uh, a Trexy Warden. It's two white and four, so six six total mana for a 6-6 six, six alien eye. It has flying, and when a Traxy Warden enters the battlefield, exile up to one target tapped creature. But this creature itself has suspend five for one and a white. What do you think, Dave? Uh, first of all, we need to talk about suspend and the command zone. Uh, so that we Ooh, yes, say please. definitively, it doesn't officially work like you want it to. Uh, suspend is an ability that you use from your hand. So just like, you know, before we, we've had uncommon creatures with ninjutsu, we've had uncommon creatures with cycling. Yeah. These things technically don't work from the command zone because you need to move the card from your hand uh, to, to do this ability. And yeah. uh, you can't 
you know, the command zone is different from the hand. Uh, that said, I think it is perfectly and completely reasonable to allow this to be suspended from the command zone as a rule zero conversation if you agree sure. that counts as a casting of it for the purposes of commander tax. Uh, yep. I, I feel the exact same way about cycling and ninjutsu. I think you should be able to do all of that from the command zone, but it counts as casting. Um, I do too. I'm with you. So I'm going to evaluate this card as if you can suspend it. Yes. As a six mana, six, six that exiles a creature, a tapped creature. Or as a, you know, six, two mana, suspend five, six mana. Oh, that's true. That's I think, true. I think both of those are fine. I think I think that this card is going to be kind of mediocre. Like it's not bad. Six six flying is thick. Uh, built in yeah, removal sure. is extra. Th I think there's a very cool interaction here between the exile, a tapped creature, and the suspend. Like if everyone at the table knows it's coming, like no one, no one's going to attack you when it has one counter left. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> they're just like. They're gonna try and protect their creatures from getting permanently exiled. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's not until this leaves the battlefield or what have you. Right. It's just it's exiled forever. It's gone. Yep. Uh, so I think that there's interesting stuff there. I think there's some really interesting stuff you can do by flickering it. You know, if you hit this with a cloud mm. shift, you know, if someone someone declares their attack and you're like, I'll scroll shift the warden and exile your tapped attacker. Like yep. get like you can do some very cool stuff with this, but I am I am not sure that the cool stuff you can do with it justifies the price tag. Six is a lot, and like you have to expect yeah. that this is gonna die pretty frequently. Sure. And like if you if you rule zero the suspend thing and suspend it for the first cast, it's gonna come into play on turn seven. Yeah. Which is really late. And like at that point, let's hope that you have the mana up to protect it. But if you don't <laughs> if you don't, oh my like, lord. Someone's gonna be like, ah, well I cast I cast down, feed the swarm, murder, and you're gonna be like, Alright, I guess I won't do anything for the rest of the game. I won't, like yeah, maybe, I won't play anymore. Maybe I'll spend four mana to suspend it again and it'll come back into play <laughs> on turn thirteen. Or maybe right. I just like maybe you get up to eight mana and you hard cast it and it eats another removal. Like six is just such a huge investment. Oh, so much, it's so much. Yeah, it's. It feels like it's gonna. It's it's a really tough sell. If you can get sure. it online, you can do some really cool stuff with it. Yeah. I don't think that the coolness of the stuff you can do is gonna justify the 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 price tag. Totally agree. And then uh, with Liam, we uh, went in a deep dive here with our PDH Pod Discord. And uh, on the scale of one to seven, how are you gonna rate the flavor here? This is a solid six. All right. Nice. Six out of seven. So the Atraxi Warden is a villain that showed up. I don't even want to call it a villain. It's like an anti-hero that showed up once uh, in mm -hmm. the TV show. Uh, it showed up on Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor's first episode titled The 11th Hour, where they were tracking a Prisoner Zero. So Prisoner Zero is an alien that escaped – is a shape-shifting multiform alien that escaped through a crack in time and space. And the Atraxi have traveled to Earth, hence the Suspend 5, the, the time traveling, to, mm -hmm. to, to arrest this alien. And so the, the Suspend 5 hurts you a little bit because the 5 is maybe potentially referencing the 5 minutes that the Doctor promised Amy he would return in uh, when it was in fact 12 years. Oh. Yeah, it was Ooh. a little rough. Um, so the Atraxi is tracking down Prisoner Zero, uh, and it is threatening to incinerate the human residents once it finds Prisoner Zero. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, it does not mean the building that Prisoner Zero is hiding. It means the planet. 
Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so the doctor succeeds in getting Prisoner Zero to create a perfect imitation of itself, hence the tapped creature. Right? It's it okay. the, the the multiform hides by mimicking another life form. But because the doctor was able to trick it into mimicking itself, it lost its ability, right? It it was right. it was not shapeshifting into something else. It was tapped. So the Atraxi was able to arrest Prisoner Zero and, and left off. When the doctor promptly calls it up on a cell phone, because uh, <laughs> Sonic Screwdrive can do whatever it wants. Sure, why not? And demanded the Atraxi come back to us so that he could threaten it. <laughs> and he threatened it by saying, you know, you were going to incinerate this planet. Like, what the hell? Like, is this planet a threat to you? Have they broken your laws? Because the Atraxi are like intergalactic police force. Uh, right. right. It was like, have you have they broken any laws? And it's like, no. And it's like, it's like, is this planet protected? And then it flashes through the regenerations of the doctor. And then he steps through and he's like, run. And the Atraxia <laughs> run. And we don't see them again. <laughs> Ever. Just poof, gone. Yeah, I think they, they cameoed like once since then. Yeah. Like, like it is. Yeah, he scared them pretty, pretty good. So I give nice. it pretty six out of seven. Sweet. All right. Uh, move on to card number two here. We got Clockwork Droid for two generic mana. You get a robot, an artifact creature robot. It's a 3-1. Uh, you may exert Clockwork Droid as it attacks. When you do, it can't be blocked this turn, and you scry one. What do you think, Dave? Uh, seems it's, already, like a... it's already a tough sell because it's a colorless artifact creature. Yeah, colorless <laughs> is rough, and like having three unblockable damage every other turn... On a yeah. one butt that scries every <laughs> other butt. turn, like this is not. <laughs> I don't think this is going anywhere. Yeah, I'm with you. What do you think, Liam? One to seven. What do you got? Flavor wise, I'd give it give it probably a pretty solid four to five. Okay. These creatures were part of an episode with the tenth Doctor titled "The Girl in the Fireplace." These are alien robots that disguise themselves as French aristocrats to I see that. hide amongst the hide amongst the humans because they are trying to harvest parts for their spaceship. Unfortunately, uh, the AI that controls them has moved on from mechanical parts to organic parts. Oh, gross. And, yeah, so... Big Phyrexia vibes. Big Phyrexia yep. vibes. Not, not uh, here for so it. So, after consuming <laughs> the crew, it has moved on to the time fracture that exists on the ship. And they are escaping into... Uh, I, I don't know what time period this is. It's it's France. I want to say Charlotte. So the spaceship okay. that they're named on in like the 51st century is named yeah. after the particular French aristocrat that they are stalking, basically. So the exhaustion is referencing that when they attack, they they have to wait before they can attack again. Like if their attack fails, they have to power back up because they're, they're running on reserves. And the scry is probably referencing the various windows in time that they get to jump through. Okay. I'd give it a solid four or five. Solid four or five? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next, uh, another artifact creature for two generic. It's a 2-2 two, two cyber, is it Cyberman or Cyberman? Cyberman. Cyberman Patrol. Uh, like I said, 2-2 two, two artifact creature Cyberman. Artifact creatures you control have afflict three 
And uh, afflict, afflict, if you don't remember, is whenever a creature with afflict three becomes blocked, defending player loses three life. Dave, what do you got? This one is of of all the artifact creatures that are in the set. This is the one that intrigues me. Uh, sure. I think that I I really like this idea of just this sort of artifact creature deck that swarms. I do too. Um, yep. Afflict three is not small. Like this could no. get this could no. get out That's of control. Every creature and it's every, every creature. creature I mean, every non Eldrazi creature. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. all all your artifact creatures, which is I mean, if you're colorless, almost all of them. My concern with the Cyberman Patrol is I think that, you know, I think that it's just going to catastrophically fail at Pillar 4. I think you're, you're going you're gonna to be tempted to be like, I want, you know, all my creatures are getting a flick 3, so I want to have lots of them, so I want to be low to uh-huh. the ground. You're going to just completely empty your hand on turn 4, and then someone's going to be like, whatever, I'll bite. And they'll block 3 of your creatures, and they'll lose 9 life, which will be bad for them, but you'll be down 3 creatures. Yep, and you'll just—you're never gonna come back from that. Yeah, <laughs> like yep, yep, yep. you need. Yeah, this you, this you, deck does not care about pillar four whatsoever. Right, you need to find ways to, you need to find really reliable ways to keep your hand full in colorless, and you need to find really reliable ways to protect your board in colorless. And they're just like there's a couple, like spare supplies is fine, candy trail, lembus, like these sure. cards are are okay. But they're not enough. And like in terms of protection, like you got what, like welding jar and clockwork gnomes. Like there's so little you can do to protect your board that yeah. it's you're gonna. I don't think it's it's gonna be a struggle. I want to see yeah, someone sure. build it. I'm not gonna build it. Sure, I want to see it at the table, but not yeah. on my side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Liam, obey, or you will be destroyed. What do you got? Uh... These Cybermen are clearly referencing the Mondasian Cybermen, okay. which we have only seen... That's what I assumed, anyway. I mean... Yeah, yeah, clearly. Uh, which we've, <laughs> we've only seen once in New Who, and I don't recognize this scene. So I'm going to guess that these Mondasian Cybermen are from Old Who, okay. where they were a much more prevalent and deadly force. But yeah, I mean, Afflict 3 is a pretty solid flavor for Cybermen, so... Yeah. I yeah, like it looks good. All right, let's move on to our third colorless artifact creature in a row. This one is Cybermat, not Cyberman. Uh, for two generic, it's a 2-1 artifact creature robot with Skulk. Uh, this creature cannot be blocked by creatures with greater power. And whenever Cybermat attacks and isn't blocked, it gets plus X plus O until the end of turn, where X is the number of uh, attacking artifact creatures. Dave, I think this one's a little more interesting. I think it is more interesting. Like the combination of abilities is very intriguing to me. You have something that is on on paper a a really big, a high power threat. Yep. That is paired, almost always unblockable. Right. Paired with the ability Skulk, which makes it unblockable based on it being a low power threat. And I, I love the interplay between these two abilities. Like if your opponent's yeah. got a bunch of three power creatures, you attack with a Cybermat, it's unblockable because it can't be blocked by things that have more than two power. And then after it's unblocked, you know, it gets its power gets huge based on the number yeah. of attacking artifact creatures. So if it's this and, like, you know, three others, you're getting plus four power on this yeah. thing that was recently unblockable because its power was... <laughs> Super cool yeah. interaction of flavor. 
I think it has the exact same weaknesses as the Cyberman Patrol. I think you're gonna. Oh, for sure, for sure. You're gonna overextend. You're gonna run out of gas. It's gonna work once, and then you're gonna be. You're never gonna have a huge impact on the game after that. Uh, yeah, even if it even if it works and you manage to clobber someone out of the table with a bunch of commander damage, like it's gonna be really hard to take out the other two players. Right, and I mean, like, it's so hard to imagine this one but working like that like so many yeah. things so many things have to go right for you for this thing to actually connect meaningfully yep. like they have to like if someone has a Lanor elf they just block it you're like well man, <laughs> it's just dead <laughs> i guess my cyberman's dead like they need yeah, to not have any mana dorks they need to not have a lightning bolt they need to not yeah. have like an unsummon or a murder. Like, there's just Ugh. like I think it's gonna work once and it's gonna feel really good, and then it's never gonna work again. And you're gonna lose, and it's you're yep. gonna you're gonna resent the deck. I think it's gonna work that one time because that... your opponent has a go for the throat in their hand. Right, and they, yep. they can't do anything about it. They have a go for the throat and Sivris on the table, and they're gonna be like, "Ah, <laughs> doesn't any of this work?" And they'll take eight yep. damage to the face, and then they'll activate Sivris and draw into the murder, and then you'll yeah, die. and then they'll kill you. Yeah, cool. Uh, all right, Liam, on the uh, the Who flavor scale, what do you give it? Uh, this is another six. Uh, this artist okay. was very conservative. They draw the they drew these a lot cuter than they actually are. <laughs> they have hella teeth, like we're talking like one levels of Phyrexian teeth uh, that you can't see here. Uh, oh, yeah, the the nasty little critters. Flavor in terms of mechanics, spot on. The bite is much larger than they can take. You can just step on them to kill them. The skulking is absolutely perfect because they like to hide in the shadows. And yeah, oh. they they always come in droves. So when you know you see one, you better be prepared to to have twenty. Nice. So is that a solid? Would you say five? Give it a six. Four, five, six. six? Perfect. Six. I like it. All right, let's move on to our fourth artifact creature in a row. But this one's actually pretty spicy. For two and a black, we got a three-three Dalek squadron uh, artifact creature Dalek. It has menace, which is awesome, and it also has myriad, which is awesomer. So Dave, what do you think? Uh, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've known of Daleks for a long time. I expected them to be like more complex cards, and I'm sort yeah. of like relieved that this is just a, such a streamlined design. It's like you know, a, a, an aggressively costed three three with uh, an evasive keyword, and that it multiplies itself. I think that's super cool. I think that it lacks. A direction to take it in as a commander like if this is your commander yeah. what's the rest of your deck like right, mo- just piles of mono black good stuff I right guess. it's like it's definitely a mono black good stuff because they're, they're like there's no there's nothing you can i guess sacrifice effects like this is this is good with carrion feeder i suppose oh, sure. because you'll yeah, make a lot of tokens, tokens. but like yeah carrion feeder with it's also relevant with uh like village rights effects sure oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah but i mean like carrion feeder and village rights are mono black good stuff so yeah they don't they don't (laughs) right this isn't like you're not going to be able to populate the myriad token and then make extra double plus ungood daleks um (laughs) so like i think i think this is fun i think that i mean if you have if you really want the mono black good stuff deck like this is a cool commander for it i 
have so many decks that I don't need good stuff decks. I need very focused decks. Sure. Yep. And I, I have no interest in building a Dalek squadron. Awesome. Uh, I'm kind of with you. I enjoy the, uh, I enjoy a good menace creature and I love Myriad, but uh, I don't know that I want to build a whole deck for this creature. Fair. Uh, what do you think, Liam? Where's it land on the scale? I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 7 on the flavor scale. So Ooh, Daleks... Nice. Our first 7 out of 7. Yeah, Daleks generally are going to come in squadrons like this. They're generally going to be in, in groups of 2 to 4. I'm really loving the 3-mana the three 3-3 three, three with Menace. Like, it is a formidable foe. It is, you know, this is this is something that when the Doctor and his companions run across it, they are scared. Okay. The Myriad makes sense because you, you get 3 to 4 of them, right? <laughs> Flavor text is great. Art looks great. I, yeah, the I would art ha- actually is really cool. I would have to agree that, that in terms of a Dalek card, I would definitely expect the Daleks to be more complex because they are a more complex villain showing up at a minimum once per season. Uh, yeah. I will say that in the higher rarities, the, the rare and the mythic Daleks are much more complex cards. Uh, so this this kind of feels perfect for an uncommon. Like, it's got Myriad, which can be a complex mechanic for some people. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's relevant. You get three mana for nine power in Menace. Like, seems pretty good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, as a as a standalone creature, I, I do like it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I definitely like it in the 99. I don't know that I like it as my commander. Yep, totally fair. All right, next up, uh, we move into a green card currently sitting at $28 on the pre-order Jesus. list is uh, Displaced Dinosaurs for 5 and 2 green. You get a 7-7 seven, seven dinosaur, and the uh, text box says, as a historic permanent enters the battlefield under your control, it becomes a 7-7 seven, seven dinosaur creature in addition to its other types. Take it away, Dave. I think this text are, are, box... Are you one of the hundreds of Pauper Commander <laughs> players that have already built a deck for this for this commander? I, I, I haven't. I I love the idea of this commander. This this it seems really cool. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like the only reason I haven't is because I don't think I would do anything different with this commander that, you know, the other ninety nine people who've already put the deck together haven't yep. already done. So like that without it feeling like Without feeling like I have a unique and interesting take on something, I don't feel much of a reason to put those cards together. Like, if I want to play with this, someone else will have it built and I'll just borrow it and it's fine. Right. It's um, the uh, Arcbound Shikari problem. Exactly. That we talked about. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, that said, I'm really excited to play someone's version of this because I think it looks really fun. I think yeah, that absolutely. The, the text box is absolutely berserk. Uh, I think yeah, that yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of the excitement I see online for this card, I think, is perhaps overlooking the fact that it's seven mana, and that like you can you can design a deck that will really take advantage of this ability, and you will start doing things on turn six, which sure. is not a great time to start doing things in a game of PDH. Like <laughs> the things you'll do on turn six are Wild. pretty pretty good. Yep. You know, like Darksteel Ingot uh, goes hard. Yeah. yeah. Darksteel yeah. Citadel goes Dark, pretty hard. Darksteel Axe? <laughs> Dark, oh, yeah. yeah. There's, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do with Darksteel. Um, yep. I, like, you can do, like, uh, what is it? The Skyskiff? It's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. this is the, the vehicle that is like, whoops, I'm a 7-7 I'm a creature now. You don't have to crew me. <laughs> I Ornithopter, just hello. Already have flying Ornithopter. Yep. Good. Um, so yeah, I think I think you can do really cool things with it. But I th- I think that like building that deck, like Darksteel Ingot, 
before the dinosaurs are in play, it's not a good card. Uh, close your ears, Liam. Ornithopter by itself isn't great. Um, <laughs> like Dark Steel Axe is pretty good. Like I think you're you're gonna play a lot of like subpar cards to to make yeah, the dinosaurs stuff you work. Wouldn't normally play, yeah. And before the dinosaurs are online, and after the dinosaurs get killed, and you have to save up the mana to play them again, like you're gonna have a really you're gonna have a rough early game. To right. make them work, so I think right. that it is well costed for its ability, which is a berserk ability because berserk. it has a berserk mana cost, and I, I like I love everything about that. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Yep, and just for uh, context, historic permanents are artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. So really, in Pauper Commander, we care about artifacts. We have one green saga, so it's going to be some sort of artifacty build. All right, Mr. Who, where does this land on the scale? What, what does what does Doctor Who have to do with a bunch of random dinosaurs showing up? I can't uh, speak to this one, this one too much. This is a third Doctor reference. I would have only okay. seen this episode once. Mm-hmm. Um, however, just the idea of historic permanence entering as dinosaurs. That's that's awesome. Like, yes, yeah, sure, there's seven sevens, me. which is great, but like they come in as creature type dinosaur. I'm really like mildly <laughs> hoping we get an in-universe version in the Dinosaur Commando deck that's coming out for Ixalan. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, this is, this, like, they're just, like, seeding this one a little bit early. <laughs> um, <laughs> Showing you what's to come. Yeah. Gavin's this, just, this, like, tinting his fingers, laughing maniacally. Yeah. This is just really sweet. It's just really sweet magic hood. Yeah, it really is. Uh, but I don't think we can add anything that hasn't been already talked about the uh, with the dinosaurs. So let's move on to a red card here. How would you pronounce that, Liam? Uh, Araxa? Iraxa, yep. Iraxa, Empress of Mars. For two generic and two red, you get a 5-4. Good stats there. It's a legendary creature alien warrior with trample. And uh, one of my favorite mechanics, Battle Cry. When this creature attacks, each other attacking creature uh, gets plus one, plus oh until the end of turn. And then here we go with a new mechanic. It has Paradox. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, create a 2-2 red alien warrior creature token uh dave i know you saw this one and got pretty excited about it what are you thinking i love everything about this card i (laughs) i love how aggressively costed it is very Uh, much so like if we ignore the fact that that she just makes bodies all day long like if 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 that ability was gone and this was just a four mana five four trample battle cry amazing like i'd love that's that's a really good card and then she makes bodies constantly. Like Liam, Liam can attest to this. Both Liam and I have Vega decks, and mm-hmm. Vega is the uh, it has the same paradox ability where when you play a card from anywhere other than your hand, it triggers something. Yeah. And Vega's is just draw a card. It's not create a free two two body. Crazy, uh, right? So yeah, like there's so many ways to trigger this. Like I'm I'm gonna list a few and I'm gonna miss a bunch. Like flashback. Madness, retrace, jumpstart, uh, rebound. Your reckless impulse. Spells, oh yeah, yeah. all the resolve. reckless impulse. Yep. Your red impulse. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep, yep. All of those, like, uh, fort fortell, suspend. Yeah, fortell, yeah. suspend. I forgot. I totally forgot about fortell. Yep. Yeah. And what's cool is like, like you, like you touched on, the paradox mechanic is awesome. Even though we don't have that many, I mean, 
we don't have a ton of red effects, but she's really cool outside of that. Like, yeah, it's like awesome. you yeah. you have enough of those effects that you're gonna make a lot more tutu red aliens than anyone is gonna expect. Uh huh. And then you're gonna flash back something that gives a creature haste, <laughs> and <laughs> make another one, and uh-huh. then attack with this battle cry, or like you know a creature's gonna you know come in off of the suspended thing and just have haste and bring a tutu body with it and it's just going to attack right like yep yeah i think that this card is absolutely nuts yeah i do too and i'm i'm really excited about it uh jury's still out on whether or not i'm going to build it sure that's fair it it seems the one that's going to be fun to theorize yeah yeah i just play around with I, I, to me, it, it kind of has the same as the dinosaurs problem. Like everyone I see talking online is also very excited about her, and like I feel like she's a very linear kind of deck. Very, like everyone, very. like yeah, much like the dinosaurs. I feel like I feel like lots of people are going to have Araxa decks, and yes. everyone's Araxa decks are going to look the same. And I will borrow and, like, them all. Right, and like I don't, <laughs> I don't need to, con- I don't need to build the thirtieth version of the 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 Araxa deck. Yep. So. Yeah, I think she's going to be super fun. I'm really excited about her. May or may not build her. We'll see. All right. Well, as a as a commander, her mechanics are nuts. What about the lore, Liam? Is the lore on the nuts end of the scale? Dude, the lore is on point with this. So Amazing. I'm, I'm a little disappointed it's the only uncommon legend. Like, there are so, so, so oh, it certainly is. Yeah, many named characters that they could have used in a slot like this. And I'm a little perplexed how they landed on Iraxa as the one they wanted to do. But but whatever. I, I am a big fan of this mechanically. Putting on the judge hat real quick, the paradox mechanic. Uh, paradox is italicized, much like landfall is. So mm-hmm. it's just referencing the rest of the mechanic, which is whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, do a thing. That do a thing will vary from card to card. I, I think the flavor here is on point. Iraxa is... is, is a larger body for her cost. The the trample is relevant because she she will lead the charge on any attack that she orders. Mm-hmm. The battle cry is relevant because she will lead the charge on any attack she orders. And, <laughs> and just making the two two aliens like like she she's the, she's the empress. She's the queen. Yep. They will follow her into battle. That is what they do. This is a, this is a the the Martians in Doctor Who. Are a warrior race of lizards. Amazing. And like yeah, the, uh, the alien sh- warrior token is is pretty awesome. And like the shortest one is like six five, so like <laughs> nice. they are they are big. Uh, I I big understand lizards. why she doesn't make three threes. Wait, wait I wait, wish wait, she on. made. I wish she made two threes. Ooh, because that is... would be more in line with the size of the creatures. Yeah, you you say that they're lizards, so I need to ask you. Uh-oh. Is she naked in this art? Like no. the scales. Is that just she wearing like her, her dead friend's carapace? The armor that they wear is remnants from their sheddings. Oh, okay. Wow. Sure. Wow. It's like right. it's like chemically hardened sheddings that gonna... they that they uh form into armor. I'm going to file that wow. under questions I wish I hadn't asked. <laughs> Things uh, you wish you didn't know. What's fascinating about this race is it is dishonorable for them to leave their armor. So, mm-hmm. like, 
they they stay in their armor basically their entire life. They're, they're supposed to die in it. They are very large and clunky. They become much more nimble when they leave their armor. And this race, like like this race is all about honor. They're all about justice. And when you force one to leave its armor, that is because it has nothing else to live for. And it will go on a rampage until it is put down. Wow. Very fascinating warring race. That is that is intense. I, I wish they used them more. So where'd you put it on the scale? Oh, this is a solid seven out of seven. Solid seven. Awesome. Huh. Love to this hear it. This is a good one. Uh, if it's a seven, I might have to build her. Dude, I'm go. gonna build her. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, look, look, if this makes it to the CPDH scene, I will join CPDH. I, I will build an actual. You heard it here factual. first, folks. Like I want, nice. I want, I want Ryan or Clay to break this so I can build it in CPDH. <laughs> awesome. Yep. I look forward to the day. All right. Next up, we have our first multicolor uncommon creature. Is it Jadoon? Perfect. Perfect. Jadoon Enforcers. It's a. Uh, Five generic, a red and a white for an 8-8. Eight, eight. So seven mana for an 8-8 eight, eight alien rhino soldier with trample, of course. Uh, no more than one creature can attack you each combat. Super sweet. I love it. And this, uh, the uh, rhino soldier here also has suspend six for a generic, a red, and a white. Whew, Dave, there is a lot going on with this with this dude here. What do you think? Uh, I like the idea. I think it's very if I if I'm gonna spend seven mana on a commander, I want it to make all of my artifacts into seven seven creatures. I feel like <laughs> not not being attacked by more than totally one creature is fair. Totally fair. Like that's not enough for me. Like suspend helps. On turn three, like maybe maybe on turn two if you're lucky with like the I don't know Lotus Petal. Lotus Petal, yeah. Sure. On on turn like three probably you can suspend this for six and then like get it into play on turn nine or like seven if you have a fury charm right. like it's very difficult to get this thing into play earlier like you're in white so you can protect it yeah like you'll, if you're trying that plan to. you need to like ritual it out somehow yeah but then, but then like what are you doing <laughs> yeah i mean like uh yeah i, I, I think do, it's interesting I do like the fact that no more than one creature can attack you. I like that ability. It's not right, something right. I really, really see it uncommon. The first time I read it, I thought it was more no more than one creature can attack each combat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, it, it restricts you as well, but it doesn't. Yeah, and right. like, there's there's cool multiplayer dynamics here. So like, even if people yeah. are really irritated at you, like they'll send their big thing your way, and then they'll send their little things at other people, and that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So like, I like the ability. I like the I like the stat line. Eight eight tramples. <laughs> Not small. And in Boros, that's that's super sweet. Yeah. Not sure about the cost. Yeah, it's a little uh a little sketchy. But yep, I'm I'm pretty much with you. You made good points uh throughout that. So uh Liam, where's this where does this uh rhino land on the scale? This one's tricky because the the background places them in the fugitive arc. But the thing the the the, the little device that the, the head rhino is holding in his hand places oh. him in the Jones arc. So I'm a little sketchy on, on when this is supposed to be. Yeah. 
some discontinuity going um, on? Just, just, just a tiny bit. They, but they always show up in large groups. They always show up in platoons. So like an 8-8 makes perfect sense. Trample makes perfect sense. The no more than one creature can attack you each combat, I'm trying to connect that to the show. and I'm not really getting it. The suspend is because of the time travel mechanic. They have to they they always they exist all throughout time. They can time travel. They travel through space. That that's why suspend okay. is there. Fun little trivia fact about the Jadoon. So the reason they are named Jadoon is because they had to get that oon sound in there, that O O N. Mm-hmm. Because David Tennant is Scottish. And when he was playing the Doctor, they wanted him to use an English accent. Actors and yeah. actresses can do accents. That's not a big thing. Right. Well, apparently, because he's naturally Scottish and doing an English accent, the O-O-N sound is very difficult to pronounce when you are doing that. So the whole huh. reason they are named Jadoon is because the writers wanted to play a prank on David Tennant and wanted oh him to God. say the line, Jadoon platoon upon the moon, as many times <laughs> as they could in one episode. How many times is it, does he say it? I think it's about four or five in there. <laughs> awesome yeah it's fantastic but uh yeah no i i I'd, I'd give it a solid like four or five out of seven like i can see some aspects but i'm seeing a little bit discontinuity and i'm seeing some things that don't make sense to me i'm yeah, sure if it was explained yeah. to me like i'm sure if gavin was like this is why it makes sense i'd be like okay i get it but i i think that connection has to be made for me i i, I can't make it myself well sounds like gavin needs to come on here and explain himself i agree he should just come on to our show i don't care what he's doing here <laughs> i'm pretty intrigued uh i like this i like this commander i like any uh big fatty boros mid-range commander so I, the seven mana in boros yeah, is killing God, me <laughs> that is so much so much so i may have to see where the decks for this uh creature sort of pan out over the next month or so to to decide if i want to build it like I, mm-hmm. I think i would love to play this deck but i don't know if i want to try to build it all right. Uh, next up, we move to another mono red. We got Memory Worm for a generic and a red. It's a 1-1 one, one, alien worm, and it has Paradox. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, Memory Worm deals 2 damage to target player. That player discards a card, then draws a card, and then you put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on the Memory Worm. Uh, hmm, interesting. What do you think, Dave? I'm intrigued by this. I think it's very interesting. Uh, I like the idea, as someone in the Discord suggested, of pinging yourself with the damage mm-hmm. so that you can get your own loot ability happening and then use that looting to discard a Madness card, which will again trigger the worm. <gasps> So oh, like, yeah, okay. That's okay, okay, that's okay. gonna be kind of cool. I like I like that it can, I like that it can shape your own hand. I like that you don't sure. have to. I like that I, two damage to target player. Like a lot of times, while you create a massive worm, it seems like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and we're in red, so we got the flings and the soul fires and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If you need it. Yeah, and and like cool. you're you're gonna have like the the hand shaping. Mm-hmm. You want it, yeah, and all the yeah. you know all the reckless impulses and blazing crescendos. Yeah, I think I yeah. think this uh, you could do some cool stuff with this guy. I like him. Yeah, I was pretty medium on it until you just uh, explained that. So yeah, I'm bumped up a little bit. I'm pretty intrigued now. What do you think, Liam? What 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 is a memory worm? 
so the episode these come from is infinitely more interesting than the actual creature themselves. So the episode this comes from is a Peter Capaldi episode called Time Heist, where Capaldi, Clara, and two other people are robbing a bank through time travel. So it is supposed to be an impenetrable bank, including two time travelers. And there's stuff in the bank that someone has hired them all to to rob. The -hmm. problem is one of the bank's security measures is a psychic alien who can sense intentions. And if those intentions include robbing or defrauding the bank, it turns your brain into soup. So (laughs) after they're hired, they use these memory worms to forget why they're there. So the entire time they're actively robbing the bank, they have to remember why they all agreed to rob the most impenetrable bank in all of time and space. Wow, that is a very involved plan. So it's a it's a fantastic episode. Yeah, but the memory interesting. the memory worms, uh, their species in particular, they actually they they grow by eating memories. So the so, so, so used... in this art in the artwork is he putting it to his own head or trying to pull it off. One or the other. So so he's either applying oh, okay. it to himself or he's pulling it off because they, they act very much like a telephone. Like you put it mm-hmm. on your head like a telephone, it eats your memories and you pull it off. That's oh, it. okay. Okay, so it could be either or. Okay. It could be either or. He doesn't look like he's in distress, so I would say putting it on. Groovy. Because even like when, when you pull them off, even though you know about the memory worms and what they do, it's still very distressing. They're like covered in this yeah. goop. Like it's they're covered <laughs> yeah. in this goop. Sometimes they eat a little too far and they they eat uh, the memory of themselves out. So like you're looking at this thing in your hand, you're like, what the heck? Um, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's it's interesting. <laughs> and kind of terrifying. I, I give this flavor a solid six out of seven. Oh, nice, nice. It's pretty solid. All right, sweet. Uh, let's move on to our first blue card of the uh, of the uncommons here. We got Renegade Silent for three generic and a blue. It's a 3-3 three, three alien horror. I already love that creature type. It's amazing. At the beginning of your end step, you goad up to one target creature you don't control and put a plus one, plus one counter on Renegade Silent. Renegade Silent phases out. A lot of these creatures have many things going on here. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Mechanically, I love this card. I like that okay. it is a blue commander that it's designed for beatings. Like I it's do, gonna, I do like that quite a bit. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna attack on turn five as a four four, and then a five five and a six six. It's just gonna get bigger and bigger. Like this, thing, this guy loves a bone splitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that he also goads things. I love that we have this blue creature that's just so dedicated to like being a big buff combat guy. I also dearly love that he is immune to sorcery speed removal. Like that's super cool to me. You're you will that never is, that is really cool, yeah. You will never act of treason this guy. You will never yeah, like get it, to swarm he's a six, him. Six six and you can't get rid of it on your turn, sorry. Right. Like no one's no one's gonna ever touch him with anything sorcery. I mean you can murder him, sure, on some on, sure. on your own turn. Like, you know you'll never you'll never act of treason, you'll never uh yeah, feed the swarm. I don't know what other sorcery speed removal sure. exists. But yeah, uh I think he's super fun. Uh I don't know what other blue cards you would pair with him. Like Ray of Command, certainly, because you're gonna you're gonna goad all these things and then like like the whole plan is making other people attack other people, which is super fun. I love that. Yeah. But like I don't know what to do besides Bone Split and Ray of Command. Like I have 
two <laughs> cards. Like I'm 97 cards to go, and I, I'm like I'm out of ideas. <laughs> like, well, yeah, like 35 islands. So okay, you know, sure, sure, sure. Cuts it down. Yeah, okay. I guess I only need like 60 cards to go, <laughs> but I'm still out of ideas. Yeah, yeah, same here. We do have four, uh, three instants and an aura that care about phasing at common in blue in mono blue. So okay. Uh, I don't know if you want yeah. any of th- any of those for uh, thematic purposes, but yeah, I mean, phasing's a like phasing out your own creature is a great way to protect him from removal. Sure, uh, but then you don't get the end step trigger. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, but no, I'm with you. I I do like sort of incidental goading. That's always fun, and the phasing out is very. It's almost funny. Like he's antagonizing other creatures to attack, and then he's like, "I'm out of here." can't get me i'm done like come back around and, and beat you down a little bit so i do i do like that quite a bit we think liam what is so, a, what is a renegade silent so i actually love this card a lot the whole shtick of the silence and that's what this is this this being is called a silence is that when you look away from them they completely erase their existence out of your memory oh so when you look away you forget about them it's and it's not even like a it, it's not even like a you you can remember what a silence is and like you just forget that there's one in the room. No, like you uh-huh. completely forget what a silence is. Like that they even exist. You 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 forget that they even exist. The only reason there is recorded instances of the silence is because people wrote it down or like voice and video recorded them. That's the only way to remember them. So at the beginning of the end step, the end of your turn, you're looking away, right? Mm-hmm. The the silence is is attacking you. Right, so like in in you were in the room as the silence. The the silence attacks you. It's goading you to attack it back. Yeah. But then you look away. It gets stronger because it has time to power up. It's a very it it <laughs> uses an electric attack, so it has time to power up to attack you. Uh, and then you look away. It faces out. It doesn't exist. That's right. Pretty clever. I like it. I really like this. Uh, the silence will fall. Quote at the end there on the flavor mm-hmm. text is perfect because this uh. It's it's kind of like a little mini prophecy in Eleven story arc. Silence will fall, and so there's there's online arguments all the time about what silence will fall means, because it has two meanings in the show. One is the silence succeeds in their goal of literally silencing the doctor. Mm-hmm. The, the The doctor has been betrayed. He's trying to expose people. The silence's goal is to stop him from doing that. So silence will fall. Right. The the right. The doctor will not speak. The other is that the doctor gets so infuriated, he he literally gives the marching order to the human race to kill the silence. <laughs> so the other meaning is silence, as in the species, will they fall. will fall. Yep. It's amazing. Such a such a great turnaround in, in nice. a two part episode. I loved it so much. I'd give it a solid six out of seven. I think there were probably some bangers, probably a cleaner way to do this, but it's still a really good take. Uh, of the ones we've talked about so far, this was probably closer to the top of the list of ones I'm interested in building. Solid. All right. Next up, we got Sibylline. Is that how you say it? Yes. Perfect. Sibylline Soothsayer for two generic and a red. You get a three, two human warlock uh, with temporal foresight. When Sibylline Soothsayer enters the battlefield, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card with mana value 3 or greater 
Exile that card with three time counters on it. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. Put the rest of the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. Oh, Dave, this is this is this this is too much here for me. What do you think? There's a lot. I, a lot here. I love this design so I get, much. I completely get it. I just don't know how to build around it. I've so I you you've come to the right person because of awesome. all of the cards that we're going to talk about today, all sixteen uncommon creatures. This is the one that I've designed a deck for, and played around with it a little bit on Moxfield's playtest feature. Awesome. So the the way that I designed this deck is I. I put in uh, a, a really silly number of two-mana rocks mm -hmm. and cheap little two-mana draw spells, things like, you know, uh, Tormenting Voice, and and then also lots of ways to sacrifice the Soothsayer so that I can recast it. So sure. all the, like, you know, Infernal Plunge and Collateral Damage and Heartfire, like all of those things, but exclusively at less than three mana. In this, this deck includes exactly zero cards that cost three or four or five. <laughs> and there's about 30 cards, 20, 20 to 30 cards that all cost six, seven, or eight. Awesome. So the whole, and, and a lot of them, a lot of them have like some kind of cycling. So, you know, if you end, yeah. if you end up drawing them, you're not stuck with them. But like, right. so that, yeah, the, the whole idea is you're going to, you're going to play all these cheap little two mana rocks. And then you're going to cast, you know, turn three, you cast the Sibylian Soothsayer, and you, you flip cards until you get one of these big guys. Yep. Like like an Accomplished Automaton, or uh, an Eldrazi Devastator, or uh, uh, Char Chartooth Cougar is, one of, is on the small side of these things. Uh -huh. Ridge Ranit is honestly a terrible card, but I love him to death. So you'll get one of these Chonkers, and you'll suspend that with three time counters on it. So then on turn six, this thing will happen for free. And then hopefully on turn four, you're going to sacrifice the Soothsayer. And then on turn five, you'll recast her. Do it again. And like that, recasting her on turn five means that you're going to cheat in one of these like six, seven, eight cost cards on yep. turn eight, mm -hmm. which isn't good. And then if you can get it a third time off of her, then you're on turn 10, <laughs> you'll get another one of these things. And yep. like, it, you know, if you can get a Joyra's Time Bug in play and then like to keep it around, yeah, you can do cool things and like accelerate the, this thing. There's also like Rift Elemental and the Fury Charm. There's oh, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a couple of ways you can accelerate these suspend guys, but like the deck building restrictions on like not getting to play any of your three mana rocks. There's no Bonders Ornament. There's no Howling Golem. There's no Scare Tiller. Like right. not getting to play any of those. So you just that don't you can, risk it. right? So that you can cheat in a six drop on turn six, like doesn't feel good. It feels pretty yeah. bad, honestly. Like I was yeah. like when I first saw her, I was like, oh, that's that's gonna be like noise marine, but a little backwards. That is the first thing I thought of. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely the first thing I thought of. It's super noise marine esque, but mm -hmm. like noise marine is gonna build up. To, to like a, a massive crazy crescendo that is spectacular and awesome. This yep. is just kind of kind of putter out. <laughs> like <laughs> all of the, all of the playtest games that I've run with her are really lackluster, and I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna pull the trigger on it. It's funny how they you know we've talked about three or four uncommon creatures so far that have the same problem. Like it's really cool, but it's gonna be turn eight before it does anything. The enforcers were like that. The seven man yeah. boros, the di yeah. the dinosaur commanders like that. It's awesome. And after turn six or seven like yeah it's like if you're in a if you got your casual play group 
and like your games are continually going to you know turn 14 or whatever oh, great yeah. like Jam absolutely rock and roll man you're mm-hmm. gonna have the time of your life but if you're like most of the games that i play in are wrapping up uh you know turn like 10 ish yeah yep yeah even yeah. You know, quote-unquote casual pods are turn 10 to 12 yeah 12 at the latest usually all right liam one to seven where is the soothsayer this is a tough one uh so the episode they come from is a 10th doctor episode called the fires of pompeii and the thing here is that there are there's an alien race that crashed and has recent that, that crash landed a while ago and has recently awoken inside of vesuvius and Ooh, the, I like that. the steam coming from Vesuvius has, you know, the equivalent of alien sweat in it and is making all the soothsayers like crazy. So entering the battlefield, having a vision, revealing cards with three or greater, they are revealing greater plans. All, all their new visions are revealing greater plans, alien plans, but they don't know how yeah. to interpret them. So... They're just interpreting them as, like, random things. Uh, And then it gets exiled and it's got suspense, so it's talking about time travel and stuff. It's really solid. I'd give it probably five or six out of seven. I'll go with five. Let's go five out of seven. How do you like it as a uh, commander? I did not build Noise Marine because I do not (laughs) vibe with 40k. I clearly vibe with Doctor Who. Sure. I think this so. is definitely one I would consider if I wasn't already building Iraxa, because I'll be honest, mm. I already have like four mono red decks, and Iraxa is going to be like my fifth one. I probably don't need to build two are, from the same set. Yeah, those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers up. <laughs> no, I really don't up. need to. <laughs> Press X out. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, on to another mono red commander. Okay, what do I got here, Liam? Santaran? Ah, so close. Santaran. Santaran General. For four generic and a red, you get a 5-5 alien soldier with trample and haste. Hello. And it also has battalion. Whenever Santaran General and at least two other creatures attack for each opponent, goad up to one target creature that player controls. Those creatures can't block this turn. Uh, Seems super aggressive. I'm a fan of it. Uh, strictly combat focused. Uh, Dave, do you want to spend five mana on a five-five trample haste? Uh, I do. Like disregarding uh, disregarding the battalion mechanic is that I, a good rate, right? I'm not going to disregard the the battalion mechanic. Yeah, I, I'm going saying, to. I was about to say hold the effing phone. Battalion's amazing. I, so no, I, mean, I mean, like if they just printed a five mana five-five trample haste at uncommon with no other text, would that be good enough? Do no. you mean charging monster sword? I sure, yeah, I think I think I because they printed that in Ixalan and it's it uh it did some damage to limited. <laughs> I'll I will <laughs> I'll tell you that for free. Limited, it was it was a terror. It was a horror show. Yeah, let me in, tell you in the limited environment. Let me tell you, doing tragic monster store followed up by uh crashing dreadmaw, just the colossal dreadmaw. Yeah, like oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the that's oh, the one two punch. Like game, <laughs> they got you. <laughs> game, game over, man. Um. <laughs> But yeah, no, I love that the, there's just a better Crashing Monster Store at this point. Like, and it's much better. Like, that battalion ability is, like, outstanding. It's it phenomenal. really is. That is good. And, 
like if if anyone was listening to the pre-show and wondering what card I was talking about when I said some of these cards have really remarkable mechanics and I love them and the art makes me cry and want to just completely sharpie over the whole thing and just replace it with something that isn't hideously ugly <laughs> so that I can play with the card. If you were wondering what card I was thinking about, it's Santar in general. <laughs> Uh yeah, I love the mechanics on this card. I badly want to play with five mana, five five trample haste battalion to goad things. It's like yeah, goad things. Yeah, like I love the card coronation of chaos. This just is a coronation of chaos every turn. Yeah, it certainly is. Yep, and like that is that's what I want in my games. And, like, and it wants I, you to attack every opponent all the yeah, time. Yeah, every opponent all the time. And, like, make them not block. Like, people not blocking things is my entire jam. That's, like, sure. a huge part of my identity as a person <laughs> and a player. And, like, Battalion, attacking with lots of creatures, also a huge part of my identity. Like, yep. this card just speaks to me on every level except the art. Yep. I wish the art was literally anything else. <laughs> that is a funky-looking uh, alien soldier. He's he's a lot. He's a, he's a lot to take in. Uh, where's need, this one land I on need, the scale, Liam? Oh, go ahead. I need someone to alter this card and send it to me. There you go. This this is a this is another solid seven out of seven. Ooh. So the Santarans are another warring faction, another warring race. They are at constant battle for ten thousand years with another race that like never shows up in New Who. But uh, are very... there not any peace, love, and hippie vibe? You know, cultures, races in in Doctor Who, are they all about war and violence? Most of them are about war and violence. If you want the peace, <laughs> love, and, and vibe, you need the Doctor for that. Um, okay. But so the Centaurans, they they are a clone race, which means they are grown in clone batches. Okay. Their whole purpose in life is to die a glorious death. That is ah. their goal. That is like that. That is what incredible. They aim for. Yep. What's awesome. even more fantastic is their only weakness is the tube on the back of their neck that the that they get fed through so like they they get fed through feeding tubes oh great and and so that tube when you hit it releases a bunch of air pressure and it like starts to like constrict the suit around their body and like it will choke them to death basically it's fantastic Gross. because Sounds the, painless well well so so the the only weakness of a a race that is Hell bent on dying in battle is basically an Achilles heel on the back of their neck. Yeah. So it they they always have to face their enemy in battle. That's kind of how that's kind of the that why the way they are they have to. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. The battalion is fantastic because they always come in in large droves. The five mana five five trample haste. They are a formidable foe when they show up. I love the goad effect because they have to attack others, so they like to like you know, verbally goad their opponents in battle. They yeah. like to uh, always make fun of their opponents for lack of armor or lack of battle strategy. <laughs> I just, I love them. They're, they're a great opponent. They do frequently get compared to uh, potatoes. So. I can see that. If if you can imagine a baked potato alien, like like literally a Mr. Potato Head alien, that's what this is. That's kind of what it is. Yep, but a very violent one. But a very, very violent one. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, sweet. Let's move on to the last four here. The first one up is Star Whale for six generic and two blue. Another uh, high-costed commander. You get another 8-8, eight, eight, though. It's an alien whale. It's its creature type, and it has flying, and it also has vigilance. And it says other creatures you control have ward two. Not too shabby. And then this creature has suspend six for a colorless and a blue. Uh, I like the ward. I'm a big fan of ward myself. Uh, what do you think, Dave? I like 8-8 eight, eight Flying Vigilance. Yeah. It gives mm -hmm. your whole team Ward 2. Mm -hmm. I don't want to pay 8 mana for it. <laughs> In Mono Blue? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I also don't want to suspend it on turn 2 and then wait 6 turns to cast it. Like, <laughs> if what's, what's, the, what's that format that's like super dead where you got a signature spell? Oathbreaker? 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 I wouldn't consider yeah. it super dead, but okay. No, it just had like a pretty big resurgence or i don't even oh, know did it was resurgence but, but well yeah, wizards like, recognizes that as an official I, format now so there we go i would I, I would consider it anything but dead yeah if i could make star whale a commander with clock spinning as my signature spell like i could i could do that but like mm -hmm. okay, it, okay but okay. there's there's a lot of rule zero going on there <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You have you're to, gonna need it for this someone's game. Someone's going to have to let me suspend it from the command zone, and then someone's going to let me have to let me cast clock spinning also from the command zone <laughs> with buyback. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna. I'm, it's not going to work out for me, I think. Yep. Other than that, it's pretty awesome. All right, Liam. I, the I text solid, box is great. I give it solid f flavor. Uh, eight mana, eight, eight. These things are massive. Yeah, it looks like it. Flying is, is important. Because uh, they, they do fly through space. Other creatures have wood too is important because the whole thing of the Star Whales is they are not very plentiful. There's very few of them. And they mm -hmm. go around saving species off of dying planets. So when we see them, okay, okay, it okay. Is, when we see them in the show, it is with the 11th Doctor sometime in the 30s and 40s of centuries. The sun has burned out. Humans have left Earth. And... Mm -hmm the star whale has a human settlement on its back. So oh. it's taking the humans to the next colony planet. Basically. So it is very large. Yes, it is massive. Like, nice. What, like the, the entirety of the UK population fits on the back of one of these. Oh, so it's like continent size almost. Yes. Large country size. Yes. Nice. And the art is stellar. I don't know how they're represented on the show, but the art here is pretty stellar. I like it. It's pretty good. It's a little bit of a different right. representation, but it's it's still really solid. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get on to our second mono green uh, commander here, potential commander. You're going to have to pronounce it. Th Thajarian? Thajarian. Thajarian. Witness. For a generic and a green, two mana, O4 alien cleric with flash. So that's kind of cool. And the, uh, has bear witness as a mechanic. Whenever another creature dies if it was attacking or blocking alone exile it and investigate which is you make a clue dave what do you think about mono green uh clues i don't like this card <laughs> like i think that i'm not a super fan i, I don't i, I think i, I kind of you... like that mono green has if you squint look sideways it has card draw in the command zone but like sure that's it uh, I like card draw. I I think that you can't count on your opponents attacking alone. 
So if you want to really like lean into this ability, you have to you have to commit yourself to attacking to loan, and that's not what mono green decks with card draw want to do. And like I... exiling your own stuff feels like really bad. And like it has to it has to die. Like that's Wait, everything I... about this seems just like bad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes it'll work on your opponent's stuff. Okay, but like, uh, that raises it, like, yeah. 2%? Yeah, I mean, like, it just seems really unreliable. Like, if your opponent is playing a deck with lots of tokens, like, they're never going to attack or block alone. And then, like, it's an 0-4, so it's going to be hard for you to kill it somehow. Like, and it's not going to die often in combat or to direct damage. Like, it's going to be hard to get it back in your hand or the command zone. Yeah, reliably. I mean, I get, someone blocking alone feels like more reliable, I guess. But like, yeah. it still seems like it's going to be really wildly hit or miss. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, I want, I want my commanders to be a lot more reliable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Where are we at on the lower scale with this one, Liam? This one is phenomenal. This is a seven out of seven. Oh wow, okay. So these creatures are the, the so this is a peaceful race, but it's not Yay. all hippie vibes. <laughs> because it is a race that has been lost to war, as in there's very few left. And so they have redefined their purpose in the universe, which is they, they time travel and they appear whenever somebody is dying alone. So Aww, whenever okay. a warrior is dying in battle, they are dying in a war and they are dying alone. The Thajarian witness shows up to bear witness to their death so mm -hmm. that the person that is dying or the creature that is dying does not die alone. So there's the flash. There's the whenever another creature dies, if it was attacking or blocking alone. Uh -huh. uh, and the investigation, because they always they always leave behind a little token that they were there to signify that this person did not die alone. Oh, that's kind of sweet. That is seven out of seven flavor. For sure. <laughs> this one really hits. Yeah, yeah, I like that quite a bit. All right, we got two left. Uh, they're both pretty interesting. Uh, the first one up is Time Beetle. For generic and a blue, you get a 1-1 one, one alien insect. This one also has Skulk, and but it also has Parallel Universe. Whenever Time Beetle deals combat damage to a player, you time travel. And that's uh, for each suspended card you own and each permanent you control with a time counter on it, you may add one or remove one. What do you think, Dave? Uh, I don't, I, personally, I don't feel like there's a ton going on here to make a commander out of this, or a deck out of this little beetle here, but what do you think? There's five. There's five. There, in mono blue commons, there are five cards that involve time counters. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the Mystic Remora. <laughs> well, okay. There's five legal cards. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I should... Hold on a second. Let me do the... I didn't. I didn't check for cumulative upkeep. Okay, mm. there's a couple more that have cumulative upkeep. Uh, with, okay, I guess if you're doing cumulative upkeep stuff, that brings you up to like seven or eight playable cards <laughs> that are also relevant. <laughs> like some of them are just, uh, yeah, Bad. okay, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of all of them are from Ice Age, so yeah. yeah, it's not looking it too great. Bad. Not looking too great. Like there's a there's a three mana cumulative upkeep global enchantment that lets you spend one mana to give target creature flying until end of turn. Like, uh huh. Yep. It certainly. Yeah. Is. Art by Drew Tucker. We love that. We, <laughs> we just do don't love, love that. this card. <laughs> yeah. Like I. 
the idea of having this trigger, it's like like a thrumming bird a little bit, where it's the two yeah, mana one okay. one with evasion that lets you do cool stuff with counters. Sure. But the it's so limited to what kind of counters you can hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it ends up being really, really, really restricted in its utility and is honestly pretty terrible. Sure. Like if this if they had made Doctor Who somehow into like a standard set, Time Beetle would be probably awesome and limited. It just feels mm. like that kind of card, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A two mana one one with set mechanic on it. Or cares about set mechanic on it. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's four blue commons with suspend. There's one blue common with vanishing. There are seven legal blue commons with cumulative upkeep, and of those two of them are playable. <laughs> like, so we're looking at less than ten. Yeah. Yeah, oh. it's not it's not good. Doesn't look rough. I mean, well, one hope. of them, one of them mm-hmm. lets you permanently change the text of target white enchantment you control that does not have cumulative upkeep by replacing all instances of one color word with another. Like that's a thing you can do. That's amazing, that's... <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> that might be my, a... my my oathbreaker spell or my uh, whatever. That's a well, no. That's a that's a one mana one one creature with cumulative oh, it's a upkeep. Creature. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a one one mana one one with cumulative upkeep, but you can awesome. tap it to do that effect. <laughs> like that's a card you could play in this deck and then you could continually cha- take the time counters off of it so that you're not so that you're only paying one mana for it each turn and not two right. and then three and then four I think you just built the deck live on air <laughs> that sounds amazing uh yeah uh. yeah that sure is a thing that happened someone yep. put all that text on a card and then was like yeah this is a really good idea <laughs> Yep. Uh, let's hope the uh, the the lore the score gets on the lore scale redeems it a little bit. What do you got, Liam? Yeah, I'm about to disappoint you. Uh, <laughs> so the episode this comes from is a Ten and Donna episode, where Donna's. So the episode's called Turn Right. Donna made a decision earlier in her life where she turned left at an intersection, and that uh-huh. sent her on a path to intersect with the Doctor. There is a villain that's trying to intervene with the doctor, trying to kill him. And by having this time beetle cr- like crawl on Donna's back, it forces uh-huh. her to time travel back to that moment and and uh, influences her to make the alternate decision. And by doing the alternate decision turning right, she jumps into a parallel universe. And the only way out of that parallel universe is to time travel back to when she made the decision and force herself to make the correct one. That Holy kills the cow. beetle, puts her back in her place in time, and she continues from there. So, like, I see where they were trying to go with this, but, like, these abilities don't match up. Like, sure. Skulk is not what they wanted, but I can see them choosing Skulk rather than some other uh, unblockable ability because Skulk is already in the set. I could... I, I understand time travel. That's how they get out of the parallel universe, but, like... The beetle never actually deals damage to Donna. It's just a parasite. So it's rough. I'd give it like a four or a five. <laughs> it's rough. I'd give it like a four or five. Like it's it the the that's beginnings fair. are there, but like They can't all be bangers. Yeah. That's that's what I've got. Alright, cool. Let's move on to our last uncommon creature from Doctor Who, and fittingly it starts with a Z. Uh Zygon? Yes. Perfect. Zygon Infiltrator for two generic and a blue. You get a 3-2 alien shapeshifter soldier 
uh, with body print. That's its mechanic. For two and a blue, you can tap another target creature and put a stun counter on it. Zygon Infiltrator becomes a copy of that creature for as long as that creature remains tapped. Activate only as a sorcery, and notably the body print mechanic is not a tap ability. You can do it as many times as you have mana for. So you what cannot. Do you, think, Dave? you cannot. You, you can do it once. Because once it's on the stack, you can't activate it, because you can only activate it as a sorcery. And once it resolves, the infiltrator no will become a copy of something ability. that doesn't have that ability. You can do it once. God, got well, me again. you can Super do it rules. once, yep. but once the thing it's copying becomes untapped, it reverts back to right. Zagon Infiltrator. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. Can do it, you can do it once every two turns. Yeah. yeah. So like you, you do it once, you tap a creature, it becomes, you know, you, you tap someone's, I don't know, Chartooth Cougar. Sure. It, Sounds good. Your infiltrator becomes a Chartooth Cougar, and you can you can attack someone with your Cougar, and then a turn cycle happens, the Cougar remains tapped because of the stun counter. You get a second attack with your Chartooth Cougar, a second turn cycle happens, the Cougar untaps, and on on your opponent's up untap step, your infiltrator goes back to being just an infiltrator, and then on your next main phase, you can do that ability again. Yep. This is something you get to do yes. once every other turn. Every, yeah, every other. It's time. a super cool ability. It is super cool. I got a little too uh, excited for it. But it happening so infrequently is kind they of put a bummer. All the breaks on it. Yeah, yeah they, so they many, really did. Yep, so many breaks. I, I like the idea of the card. It's a super cool card. I don't think I'm going to build it. It's too, too clumsy. I think it is very clumsy. It's not. I don't want to say it's as bad as like body double, but it's still pretty clumsy. Right. Like it's not. I don't think it's clumsy design. I think it's no, interesting no, design. Sure. Mm -hmm. To like, it, like the design of this very much. But I don't know what the the actual story of a Zygon Infiltrator is. But the story, like the the ability, very powerfully evokes like beating someone up and like duct taking taping them to a chair in the closet. <laughs> and then in like the closet <laughs> right and then like putting putting on a mask of their face and then like being them like i've get mission impossible vibes from this and like the ruse is like you can do you can do the whole ruse until they like break free and then get, come out of the closet and be like i'm not the real mr jones <laughs> like yep. it's like it's I cool felt like i was like, there that's... i felt like i was there in that scene <laughs> so yeah so... like I'm I'm gonna go ahead and interrupt and give the flavor on this a seven out of seven because you just perfectly described as icon. <laughs> so with 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 a with a few minor changes. So so they don't they don't knock them out, right? They they use their electric attack to zap them and and temporary <laughs> temporarily paralyze and knock them out. Uh, they don't mm -hmm. duct tape they don't duct tape them to a chair in a closet. They put them oh. in a little pod underground. Uh, yeah, and you're right, like though. very literally, like they they sit there in that pod until someone breaks them out. Right, and then the Zygon ruse is up because the Zygons need a live psychic link. Now, here's the trick: is just because someone breaks out of the pod doesn't mean the Zygon loses their form, but it becomes much harder for them to maintain it because while the live psychic link is there, they retain mm -hmm. all the memories, and the memory link is is uh, both ways. So all the new memories that the Zygon is making are being transferred back to the person they're copying. Right, yeah. but once that person breaks out, that link is broken, so they become two separate beings that have the same history, as long as oh. the Zygon is mimicking them. They, the, the Zygons are a perfect mimic, except for the fact that the Zygon remembers they are a Zygon. Yeah, that sounds brutal on on the old brain. It the the way to defeat 
Zygons is to get the Zygons and the people they're copying in the same room and then make everyone forget whether they are human or Zygon. And that's how they beat them. Huh. It's a pretty cool ability, though. I, mm-hmm. I like how all these different races have very signature, I don't want to say signature spells, but we were just talking about that. Signature like abilities. Signature, signature abilities, signature types of uh, warfare, attacks, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy cool. that they're all unique in their own ways. And apparently they, they've designed the cards to represent that, to uh, amplify that. I like it. To like Quite nearly a, a T. Like the fact that Dave was like, this is the vibe I'm getting from this. Like, yeah, that, I mean, that that's what they are. Like, <laughs> that is 100% what they are. <laughs> that's perfect. So in, in that respect, I think this ability is very like well executed. I think that in a game of magic, it would feel very clumsy to play with. Sure. Very so like even, good. Even if it was in your 99, I still feel like it would feel yeah. clumsy. Yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, it's great flavor, like very clumsy gameplay, I think. Not not yeah. clumsy card design. Clumsy very interesting. Gameplay. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like that they're exploring this type of uh, design, but yeah, kind of clumsy. All right, that wraps up the new uncommons we got, potential commanders maybe. Uh, we did have a few other things to talk about. We got some new, um, some uh, common reprints with new artwork and a whole bunch of new uh, planes and for you plane chase fans out there and new phenomenons as well. I, Liam, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the I think the planes and phenomenons can probably wait. Okay. Just on just on recording time, because once we get to these commons, we will we will be running long that's true that's true. uh the planes of phenomenons i can absolutely do is like a little mini bonus at some point this weekend Ooh. or early next week that we can drop if people are interested in that yeah leave us a comment or hit us up on twitter or something let us know if that's something you want to hear let us know because i will happily sit down for an hour and go through those yeah but in terms of the commons did like these are all reprints do y'all just want me to go through the flavor of them and talk about them uh how did you want to do these what okay. is liam excited to talk about because that's this is this is the Liam show. It is kind Liam's of the Liam episode. All, of these. all right, so Liam's going to go. Through <laughs> then them. I want to hear about all of them. All right, so we're going to start. We're going to go in order by color and alphabetically. So like we're going to do all the blue and then all the black and green and and, and so forth. Okay. Yeah. So first up is clock spinning. Uh, this is you know reprint. We know what the card does. Uh, but the artwork, the flavor. So there are these pocket watches that Time Lords have where whenever they are in, in imminent danger, they can put they can activate a – gosh, it's not the chameleon socket. That's something in the TARDIS. Um, no, I think it is chameleon socket. I think they, they tap into the chameleon socket of the TARDIS. And so the whole idea behind the TARDIS is that it's supposed to blend into the surrounding area. But the Doctor's is broken, and it's just permanently a, a 1900s police box. And so, so he can tap into it whenever he's in imminent danger and actually like shapeshift. It's a very painful process. Like it, it rewrites his whole biology, but Ooh. it puts his correct biology and his correct memories into this little pocket watch, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what's being depicted here is, is he was hiding out as a human, hiding away from uh, a, an alien group that was trying to track him down and kill him. And the only way to do that was to make them lose his scent. And the only way to do that was to hide as a human for a significant portion of time. So here you can see that uh, he's opened the pocket watch. He's regaining his memories. He's becoming a Time Lord again. So that's the clock spinning is is he is mm-hmm. relearning all the time travel that he's done. 
any questions. Solid. The art is awesome. The art is no question phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, gonna look awesome in I, foil. I stand for tenant. <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. uh, the next one is Ponda. Uh, here we have a little puddle that's making like a little finger pointy symbol, uh, and the human character that we can see is Bill Potts. She is. Uh, one of Peter Capaldi's companions. In one of her early episodes, they run into an alien who is, is best described as a puddle. Like, honestly, <laughs> it that that puddle sucks in another human, so it has like a voice. It has a form, and this is the puddle trying to interact with Bill to to take Bill away to show her the stars. Bill decides that she doesn't want to go at this time, but she agrees that she will join at one point in time because the puddle absorbed her love interest. So that oh, was a little okay. unfortunate. But yeah, so so when Bill eventually does die, she is released into the universe with the puddle. Preordain. This is an episode I've only seen once or twice. Uh, the Doctor is interacting with... Uh, I want to say she's a psychic. She might not be a psychic, but... The doctor's interacting with a lady to try and get out of a weeping angel's trap, except for the fact that the lady is part of the trap. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't really speak to it. I've only seen that episode once or twice. It's a fairly new one. It's um, really cool art, though. Really solid. It's kind of ominous. Yeah. Kind of yes. haunting. I like yes, it. Yes. Very haunting. Think twice. Think twice. So Danny Pink, who is Clara Oswald's I, – I don't know if they were ever fiancés, but they were they – were, both teachers at Cole Hill, they were seeing each other. They were together in a relationship. Uh, Danny Pink mm-hmm. has died. He has been hit by a car in a traffic accident and has died. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> and Clara is thoroughly pissed off. And the doctor never really liked Danny, but mm-hmm. he didn't like hate him either. So Clara's yelling at the doctor, I want you to go save him. Go bring him back. And the doctor says, I can't because he's interacted with me. If I was to go back to save him, it would be interrupting my own time stream. So okay. because Danny knows the doctor, the doctor is not willing to go back to save him. And so Clara gets thoroughly pissed off. She thinks she puts a sleep patch on the doctor, which puts him into a dream world, or at least temporarily knocks him out. And mm-hmm. she takes she flies the TARDIS to a volcano. The only way to destroy a TARDIS key is very Lord of the Rings-esque. You toss the key into an active volcano. Mm-hmm. So she takes, uh, there's like 11 or 12 keys hidden around the TARDIS. She takes them all, starts chucking them into the volcano. And she's just like, you know, every key I throw is every time you say no. And like, I will stop throwing them I, once you tell me you'll go save him. You know, I don't I don't know anything about really the show much, or especially not this episode or what's happening, but something about that flavor text the the quote is awesome it's like super badass yeah it's yeah she she is absolutely pissed off at this moment like five left yeah. every time you say no to me i will throw another key down there do we understand each other yeah. and so it gets to the point where all the keys get thrown in uh accidentally right because she 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 drops the last couple and uh-huh. you know that she thinks the tardis is locked like like she she locked the tardis the doctor's on the ground he wakes up right so she's she's apologizing when the doctor actually removes the sleep patch from her because it was a test. He knew she was going to do something rash. Oh, so he wanted to see just how far she would go. Yeah, look at that. Uh, the next reprint is Feed the Swarm. This is a newer episode. This, this is an episode that is newer than 
the the weeping angel one that I was just talking about. The purple character with the gems coming out of his his head. Uh, his name is Swarm, and he is literally eating this person by taking them out of the time stream. Like he's erasing them from history oh. to consume their their life essence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a little dark. Yeah, Still, like Swarm comes from a six part mini season mm-hmm. called The Flux. And I've watched it like half a dozen to eight times and still have uh-huh. trouble wrapping my head around it. <laughs> it It's a lot. It's Yeah, that's fair. They stuff a lot into those six hours. So yeah, so so this is... But the, uh, Swarm is a very formidable foe for the Doctor. Uh, in particular, because Swarm knows exactly who the Doctor is and all of her tendencies. And the Doctor does not remember Swarm. Oh, no. Part of, part of that... Good retcon i was telling you about yeah uh yeah the next reprint is snuff out <laughs> this one uh kind of set the uh pauper community on fire for a little bit yeah we finally got a reprint uh unfortunately it doesn't have a comment yep. that simple so it's complete garbage it's utter trash yeah and then i i remember someone in the discord was like i like i don't mean to offend liam but uh uh, you know, we finally get a snuff out reprint, but it's got these dorky ass little robots on it. It's like, no, you're not going <laughs> to offend me. Those are dorky little robots. Like that is a hundred percent what they are. But yeah, no. So, so these robots are actually they they're trying to help the humans because they think the humans are sick, but the humans aren't sick, and the programming's been corrupted. So, like, they think they're helping, but they're actually killing the humans. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a little duck. Yeah, that is kind of it's not what the art would lead you to believe. Yeah, they 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 kill the humans by using nanobots to eat all the flesh off the bones. Mm-hmm. So the only thing they can't consume are the bones. So if you look kind of towards the bottom of the artwork, you can see the pile of bones behind them. Uh, let me see this. Oh my god, there's bones. Yeah. Yep. There are certainly bones right there. Yep. Cool. Uh, the next I one, like cultivate. So why did? Oh, sorry. In, with the risk of continually running over time why did they choose this art or these creatures for snuff out <laughs> i couldn't tell you okay i didn't know if there was something like they they touched you and you die you know that, you that's die. exactly how they, they touch you and you die but like okay. i there, there was a bajillion things they could have used for snuff out why <laughs> they chose these dorky little robots i have no idea <laughs> yeah okay no problem uh cultivate so, uh, this quote, do you like the forest being in Trafalgar Square? I think it's lovely, from Maeve. So, this is an episode with the Twelfth Doctor. Danny Pink is in it, Clara's in it. Danny and Clara were the teachers responsible for a group of students on a field trip to the museum. It was an overnight trip. They wake up, and there's a forest in London. Mm-hmm. Okay. They do a little more investigating. It's not just a forest in London, it's a forest all over the world. Like, overnight... A, a forest with trees that are hundreds of years old grew. And mm-hmm. governments start trying to cut the trees down. They start trying to do controlled burns. They start trying to do, you know, just, just like, you know, get them out of the way. Uh, yeah. And nothing's working. Like, they, they can't cut them down. The Yeah, they, you know, they, they do testing. It's, it's all like natural tree bark, but it's impenetrable to being cut down. Mm-hmm. They can't burn. Like, the, the, fire isn't doing anything right uh so so like everyone's like what the hell do we do and everyone's freaking out uh turns out this is the earth's natural defense system to a solar flare that happens every couple hundred years oh okay and the trees disappear after the solar flare they just float away like glitter huh yeah 
it's very fascinating. It's it's got it's the story is more about the undertones and the character development than it is about the actual story of trees disappearing after a solar flare. Sure, sure. The next card, Explore. I can't talk about this much because I've only seen this episode once, but if I remember correctly, just based on the scene, either the sixth Doctor is dying or Ace is leaving him and they're going off mm-hmm. to have a, an exploration party before they part ways. Right. Okay. The next one, Forest Seek. Very good reprint. Very good reprint. Love the comment set symbol. Quote is nine cries for help, nine distress signals all coming from the same planet, the 13th Doctor. I am struggling to remember what episode this is. I want to say it's relevant to the flux. The, the 13th <laughs> Doctor is still too new. I've I've only watched the seasons twice. I... I other than the flux, I've only watched the seasons twice. I I cannot yeah. remember what this is specifically referencing, but it's a great reprint. Yeah, it's an excellent reprint. Uh, Search for Tomorrow is another good reprint. Uh, another Thirteenth Doctor card. This is this is where I'm going to talk about the Thirteenth Doctor and the retcon they did because this is important. So the flavor on this card is she's looking up at these gates with this giant wormhole above them. So mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing of the Doctor is like we have the first eight lives and then the show gets canceled. It gets rebooted. We have the ninth Doctor, the 10th Doctor, the 10th Doctor, the 11th Doctor. Then we add in the War Doctor, and then we have the 12th Doctor, and then we have the 13th Doctor. Mm-hmm. And then we meet the Fugitive Doctor. And when we meet the Fugitive Doctor, it's interesting, because she, when we met her, was a human. Her, yeah. her, her identity was stored away in one of those pocket watches. Uh, the 13th Doctor releases her identity, unveils her TARDIS, and... Then the 13th Doctor gets very, very concerned because she's like, well, you're me, but I don't know you, which means you're from my future. Right. So what are you running from that you did this again? And then the Fugitive Doctor is saying, hold up now. I don't know you, which means you're not from my past. You're from my future. So they're arguing about who came first. What? So the current canon... It hasn't like been like officially a hundred percent confirmed, but has been heavily hinted at, is that the fugitive doctor came first. Yeah. There is a series of episodes where we learn that the doctor is not a regular time lord. The doctor is the time lord. Uh they are they they have a bunch of names for the doctor, but one of them is the lost child or the child. And so it's it's the creation myth of the Time Lords. So the creation myth of the Time Lords is that they developed the ability to regenerate after traveling through time over millennia. It was just a, a, a evolution that they gained. That's the myth. The reality is that there was a lost child who fell through a wormhole, and after experimentation, a scientist was able to replicate this child's ability to regenerate. And the High Council of Gallifrey which is the the planet that the Time Lords are from, decided that they would replicate this ability by splicing the gene into their people. But rather than letting the people regenerate an infinite number of times, because that would create a population problem, they would let them regenerate a total of 12 times for 13 lives. Why they chose 12 times for 13 lives I hasn't been explained. That's just – they chose that because that's what was current in canon. So the child that fell through the portal that was experimented on was the doctor. 
but it was the doctor before they called themselves the doctor. So it's it's Time Lord customs that when they're in when they're in primary school from ages zero to eighty, they give themselves a name, a, a purpose in life, a meaning. So the doctor chose the doctor because that is someone who helps. Their meaning is to run away and to help others. And so it's this fascinating point that like the fugitive doctor and all these other lives that we see in this episode are occurring before the first doctor. So then we bring into continuity issues of, well, what about the 11th doctor? When the 11th doctor died, they the high council gave him extra lives. Like, did they actually have to do that? So the theory there is that no, they didn't, but that was them keeping up appearances. They didn't want the doctor to know that he had infinite regenerations, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they kind of mm-hmm. retconned they retconned the retcon, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it's so currently we still have the continuity of you know this regeneration of the character that we call the first Doctor. This is the first life where they called themselves the Doctor, but all the lives before that they didn't necessarily call themselves the Doctor. We don't know yet, right? Because we don't know much about those lives. The only one we really know is the Fugitive Doctor, and even then we know very little about her. All of the other lives were spent in hiding because the only way that the high council could could keep their secret under wraps of the infinite regenerating child is by locking their time lord ability away in a pocket watch letting them live out a natural life as a human when they reach the end of their natural life unleashing the time lord memories letting them regenerate rinse repeat if that sounds abusive it's because it is well, yeah, a little bit um so there's an in indeterminate number of lives guessing somewhere around a dozen to two dozen that the doctor had before the first doctor oh okay so hopefully that's all from search for tomorrow yes (laughs) three visits the first time they ever did a doctor crossover they had the first the second and the third doctor in a special back in like the 1970s (laughs) yeah with all these eight mana commanders you're gonna need all this ramp yeah that's nice right growth spiral Art is fantastic. Uh, quote yeah, is from the 13th Doctor. We're capable of the most incredible change we can involve while still staying true to who we are. We can honor who we've been and choose who we want to be next. I believe this is a quote from right before she regenerates. I'm not entirely sure. It might be a quote when she's parting ways with a couple of her companions. Arcane Signet. It's just the symbol of the High Council of Gallifrey. Commandosphere is talking about the source. Uh, so this is from the episode with Jenny. The humans are fighting an alien species for control over this device called the source. They think it's a powerful weapon. In reality, it's a device that can uh, terraform an entire planet. So basically, you just crack it open and all the gases will begin to terraform the planet to make it habitable. Very, very sci-fi. Uh, very intriguing episode that I won't go into detail here. Uh, Mindstone is handles uh so this is one of my favorite 11th doctor companions uh so he has the decapitated head of a cyberman that he has reprogrammed to be basically his personal assistant kind of like you know a siri or an alexa but it has all the knowledge of the cybermen and it can tap into time travel technology like the tardis so it's like it's fantastic but he asks handles uh in this quote he asked handles to transport him to a ship and he uses handles head as proof that that he is you know a a strong warrior because he's looking to recruit people 
And the first ship he puts him on is a Dalek ship, which the Daleks know who the Doctor is, and they, you know, he has to run off. The second ship he puts him on is a Cyberman ship. <laughs> and he's like, Handles, no why good. would I want to go to a Cyberman ship when I'm holding the decapitated head of a Cyberman? <laughs> <laughs> Thought Vessel is displaying the pocket watches in more detail. This Professor Yana that's being referenced is the Master. So the Master is another Time Lord. It is, uh, they could easily be described as the Doctor's nemesis, their rival. They are a villain. They are always antagonizing the Doctor. And so Professor Yana is how they reintroduce the Master. Because the Master was a big player in Old Who. And we hadn't really seen him in New Who like at all. So people were wondering how they were going to introduce him. So they introduced him as a human that was assisting the Doctor because they didn't know who the Doctor was. They had human memories. They didn't have their Time Lord memories. And when the Doctor sees the pocket watch, he's like, we need to open this. I need to know who you are. Like, are, are you me? Are you a friend? Like, I need to know who you are. And when they open it and it's the Master, the Doctor's like, what have I done? He's unleashed the Master onto the universe once more. Oof. Wayfarer's bobble is displaying what is this called? Um, oh God, the the wristwatch, the 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 wristwatch time travel machine. Um, it's gonna bug me. I'm gonna think of it later. It's got a little name, but uh, whenever somebody uses it, they have to say this quote that's that's in the flavor tech. Like it's it's a rule of the show. Whenever somebody uses the machine before they travel, they have to say this. It's cheap and nasty time travel because you're it it exposes you directly to the time vortex. So you're not protected in any way. If you travel too far, you'll get torn apart. But it's very easy to make this device. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of all I want to go through. Uh, the thriving lands are showing various landscapes. Uh, mm-hmm. The command towers are interesting. So the command towers are all... There's four command tower artworks. They all go to a specific deck. So the Ian Chesterton flavor oh, okay. goes to uh, the Bant deck with the first eight Doctors. The 10th Doctor flavor text goes to the Jeskai deck with the 9th, War, 10, and 11 Doctors. The 12th Doctor flavor text goes to 12, 13, and Fugitive. And the Master flavor text goes to the villains. Path of Ancestry just being a couple of tortoises. Uh, I yeah. believe this is a scene from the, the, the same episode as the Three Visits uh, in the Time Vortex. Uh, evolving Wilds. That Evolving Wilds is pretty gorgeous. It's stunning. It's unfortunate, this episode, because this is the episode that Donna dies. It's the episode that Rose gets locked away in a parallel universe. It is the episode that we get to see two Ten Doctors, though. You get to see the Tenth Doctor twice. Two, two, two bodies, two characters in it. It has a big, huge mashup right at the end of the Tenth Doctor's series with Donna. Uh, lots of companions coming back. Uh, Martha's in it, Mickey's in it, Sarah Jane's in it, Canine's in it. Like, it brings everyone back for this big uh, ultimate showdown with Davros. These are uh, these 27 planets in perfect balance. They are a time engine uh who oh. once turned on will eradicate every universe. Oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> That's no good. Yep. Not not great. Not not great at all. Yeah, that's all the flavor on all the commons. Awesome. I appreciate that. I love this set so much. <laughs> yeah, and your, your uh, encyclopedic knowledge of Doctor Who is impressive. Some might call it a minor obsession. <laughs> just a little. Just a little one, though. It's fine, though. All right. Sweet. Yeah, when, like I said, we got some new planes, some new phenomenons, but Liam may, get, may gift us with the extra little bonus content. 
uh, covering those later. Later. I'm, I'm out of uh, water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're going to skip listener questions for this week. We'll hit some next week, probably. So we're just going to move on into the outro. Dave, did you have anything you wanted to add? No. I think okay. everything is pretty well covered. Are you learned up on the who, the who knowledge? I am. That was extremely informative. That was. It was very good. All right. Well, as normal, we just got a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. If you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or X slash Twitter. We're just the PDH Pod over on those, those platforms as well. Uh, you can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you right to their Discord server where you'll usually find one or all three of us. Uh, you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron everywhere else PDH is being talked about. And that's going to wrap up episode 69 of the PDH pod, but we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, Brudek, do you have any Doctor Who quote you want to put in here, Liam? Oh, God. Yes. Hold on. Let okay. me think. Uh, Brudek, play PDH. I think my favorite Doctor Who quote. Two, two, of my favorite, two of my favorites. Okay. Great men are forged in fire. It is the mm -hmm. privilege of lesser men to light the flame. Ooh. Okay. And we are all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. We'll see you in a week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. I brought pop text at the party. Pop. I brought pop text at the party.